Hi, and welcome to another edition of Mystery School. I'm your host, Jacob Cox, and our topic tonight is awakening. Uh, I have a very special guest, a great friend of mine, John Thunderheart. I'm very grateful for him to be here. John's an incredible guy, an incredible musician, um, someone I really look up to, and someone I really wanted to do a mystery school with for a long time. So finally get the chance to do it here, and I'm glad you're here. John, you want to introduce yourself well, a little bit more? Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm John Thunderheart. Um, a lot of people ask me where I got that name from. You know, am I Native American? All, all these different uh, questions about it. And um, the Thunderheart came um, at three separate times. Uh, I was leading a meditation one night. And after the meditation, a person came up and kept saying, I don't know why I want to call you Thunderheart. Mm. Three months later, I was doing another one, different group of people. And a gentleman came up afterwards and said, uh, I want to call you Thunderheart. And, you know, in, in my mind, I was just shrugging it off. Yeah, okay. You know, right. Uh, and then I was at a sweat lodge up in British Columbia, and it was also a naming lodge. And um, the the native peoples who were, you know, trying to get us in that state to either make a name for yourself that resonates or to be given a name. Mm. And if if you couldn't think of one that resonated, they would look at you and would give you a name within the sweat lodge. Right. And I'm sitting there trying to literally think of one. And I've had these two experiences already about people calling me Thunderheart. Yeah. And I was just kind of pushing it aside. And then literally a spirit appeared for me, you know, native person, uh, or third nation, if you want to call it, what it, you know what I mean? What, mm -hmm. what do they call them again? Uh, First Nations. First, First Nations, Nations people, people are native. Um, yeah. Um, spirit literally came, told me, said, what is wrong with you? You are Thunderheart. That is the name you are to go by. Mm -hmm. And I then adopted that name with what I do. And my first clients actually drove in from reservation in New Mexico, no, um, said they were told to come to me from their guidance. Mm. And I never even advertised. Right. And they drove out and, you know, want to come i told him i said i am not native american yeah uh, i didn't choose that name the name was given to me and you know so uh, you know a lot of people call me a shaman i don't claim to be a shaman i do shamanic work but i am not a shaman right. not in this lifetime in other lifetimes i was mm -hmm. i do believe in reincarnation i do believe in uh, that and i think that is also what can lead into our topic tonight so, yeah awakening right it's yeah. a good one um, I think probably one of the best things to do is really define it as hard as that sounds. I, but well, I feel like that's, that's where we need to start is what does it mean when we say awakening? What does it mean to be awake? What does it mean to awaken? And exactly. And I had already pulled it up, you know, the different definitions, you know, the simple one is arousing from sleep, mm. you know, but there's also, you know, sometimes we, we feel like we're walking in a dream. Oh, that. But it, you know, it's a lot of times it doesn't feel like reality, but when something triggers us to see things differently, right, from the way you always have, that's actually an awakening. Mm. You're awakening another aspect of your consciousness at that point. Things shift. Sometimes when we have a conversation with somebody and it becomes an aha moment to them, right, mm -hmm. the way you were is now different. You awaken to a new mental or spiritual reality in that moment and that's a type of an awakening and, it, and it's a progression mm -hmm. you know all experiences we have creates an awakening it, mm -hmm. it isn't just like poof all of a sudden but it can be yes 
when, yeah. the, when the dynamics are right. Yeah. And I, I like the word awakening and I feel like kind of the technical part that, that gets me going on it is that you do have this, this inner eye, this third eye, the single eye, um, you know, your pineal gland, whatever you're going to call it. Mm -hmm. And that, that gland is really calcified from the fluoride and, you know, probably lots of sugars and uh, inhibitors, you know, that could be anything that's chemicals in the food and our air and our water and all that stuff. And so we become really calcified. I do think that's probably could be even the mark, the mark of the beast, where if your third eye shut out, anybody who is a, you know, a person who is really awake and could see auras and can see things would probably be able to tell right, right away in your forehead area that that light is out in you, that it's gone mm -hmm. out. And it seems to be a process where as you're a young kid, it seems to be you're, you're pretty awake, you know. Um, Christ says, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, be like little kids, and they're very present, and they're very here now. And then about the age 13 is when the pineal gland goes out. It really becomes calcified. And what happens then? We start to wear dark clothes. We start to rebel. We have a hard time right. with life typically sometimes. And kind of is that your inner... Uh, world now has become the outer, the outer world becomes inner world. So you start to dress a certain way and change. And then there's this process, I think, for most people around 40 years old, after you wandered around for 40 years, you start to wake up again, right? Um, and you start to, and I think a lot of us are, you know, people being born now really awake and people are waking up much earlier. But I believe it's that process of that decalcifying that pineal gland that it's your, your eye, because it has, you know, rods and cones in it that's why you can close your eyes and think of a red fire truck and you can see that red fire truck in your mind's eye and so as we able to waken that up and make it more you know juicy and you know kind of squeeze you that thing out sometimes it allows that eye to open up and to see into reality and situations circumstances and events that yeah. that we're kind of blinded to before we're, like you said walking around to sleep and we don't know what's going on yeah and but but you're talking about that around the age of 13 what is that around the age of that's the, around the age of puberty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And, but, you know, puberty back in the ancient times was when you became basically a man and a woman. You were able to procreate, mm. right? The lifespans were much shorter. Mm. Now, in order to separate from your family, you had to rebel. Mm. Okay. So sometimes the shutting down of the pineal gland at that point, that consciousness where you're connected to everything is so that you can separate and 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 start your life separated from the family you right know, yeah. where you're relying on them mm. and then it starts to reactivate slowly again mm -hmm. that's just when you're talking that's what's coming through in my head yeah yeah i feel uh, like that's what happens you wander around the desert for a yeah. while looking for the the promised land and all of a sudden you start to wake up and you're like oh i and and i feel like when everybody talks, I mean, when everybody, when people that I know, my friends, we're all talking about that that land that's calling to us all. I feel like it's the promised land. We're people who are waking up and people who are waking up are being called to land, to live together, to harmonize together yeah. and to live in a world that really works for everyone. And, and the second part of the definition is arousing from inactivity, inactivity and or indifference. Mm. Right. And, you know, when we become apathetic and stuff like that, we're becoming indifferent to all the stuff. Oh, right. There's nothing I can do about it. But there is. It doesn't always mean it's about the change from the outside. It's about the changing of the inside and how you interact with each other. Sure. Yeah. Um, when we start treating ourselves better, mm. you know, putting ourselves first, not being in a, in a selfish manner where I want this because I want it. 
it's putting yourself first, meaning that you're taking care of your body, you're taking care of your mind, you're taking care of your relationships, yes. right? Yeah. Um, and not always pointing fingers outwards when there's something mm-hmm. in an issue. So start from within. Mm-hmm. What are what? How did I trigger this in myself first? Then how did I become the trigger for the other person? And and it's another word for awakening is becoming conscious. Mm. Um, the third one here is a revival of interest, you know, in something. Right. Could that be could that be a renaissance then? Yeah, well, of enough people waking up then. Well, it would happened. be. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the third one is a coming into awareness. The discovery, like, you know, they use an example like his discovery of literature, um, you know, the discovery of something different um, instead of just following the same old course. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what we're taught in school. And I mean, I'm watching, you know, the all the arguments about what's being taught in our education system today. Right. And to me, it, if you want to talk about awakening, it's an unawakening. It's a suppression. It's not to ask questions. It's to follow this, this, this. And it, it to a degree, it's been always that way. Mm-hmm. Right. But you have those special teachers sometimes out there mm-hmm. that bring something in mind. One of my awakenings was when I was in seventh or eighth grade and I went to Catholic school for 12 years. Everybody goes, oh, poor you. I didn't have such a bad experience. I did see some really horrible things go on, mm-hmm. but I also saw some amazing things. That's good to hear, yeah. You know, and, and, and you know, I, I'm sorry. A lot of times I think a lot of it got a, a really bad rap for people who were at the, the, I'll say, the shit end of the stick. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it wasn't all that way. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that, I had a teacher, it was a nun, and we were in a comparative religions class. And they said, okay, everybody in here has to pick a different religion. Mm-hmm. And I chose Buddhism. They okay with that? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, people had, you know, they chose Muslim, they, some of them pagan, you know, witchcraft, all, you know what I mean? That type. And, and it was absolutely, everybody gave a presentation. It wasn't a five, 10 minute presentation. You had 40 minutes. Oh, wow. it was it couldn't be it had it was in depth. You had to do research. It was no little, you know, blah, 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 blah. And there you go. And those who got that didn't get much of a grade. Oh, wow. And, I mean, it, they were serious. They wanted you to learn. That's interesting. But, I never heard anything like that. Them opening, opening the doors up to learning about other things. Yeah. As far as anybody I've ever talked to. So that's well, yeah, well, that that was one of the things when when I was doing all the research on Buddhism, I really liked it. But I was also in many ways happy with, you know, being a Catholic at the same time. And I didn't see any conflict in it. You know, a lot of people will see conflict in that. It's because um, they close their minds and saying that this is the only way you can be. And I never really felt that way. I used to argue with the nuns in religion class and I never had to study. I knew it. Mm -hmm. I knew it. I literally I would every test I took, I basically got an A. And it, and I never studied a darn thing. I knew it. I argued with them when I when they were going off the principles. <laughs> and, and well, you know, many years later, after doing some, you know, uh, meditation and regressive hypnosis, it turned out that in many lifetimes I was a Catholic priest, a monk. You know, uh, I was, you know, also I was lives as a like a Shaolin monk. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'll use that warrior monk. I use the term because I don't know if it was Shaolin or not. But I was religious. I was always many. Most of my lifetimes were of a spiritual nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also a warrior in a lot of them too. Yeah, and you know, together, right? As that, 
Um, so I had a different, unique look at things. And, and I would, you know, argue all the time um, that the Pope is not infallible. And I mean, I'm eight, nine years old and I'm saying, no, the Pope's not infallible. He's a human being. He may be an emissary of God, mm -hmm. but he is not God. He is not infallible. <laughs> and that, I mean, I took a lot of crap from that. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I still feel that way, but I can also still feel very comfortable going into the church and kneeling and, and having the incense when, when it's a high mass, they don't do it in regular masses really. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I mean, I haven't gone in quite a few years, but when, when my heart says, come home for a little while, mm -hmm. you know, get some comfort because that's what you tend to do. You go to something that brought you comfort when you were growing up. Sure. Yeah. And so I, sometimes I would go and I would just be and I, I would find some peace mm. you know um, and that's what it's all about right <laughs> yeah and then i then i could ask my questions of myself because i wasn't beating myself up at that point because i felt more at peace and then the questions were more honest not pointing fingers why did you do this like we were talking before the show started you know that you were kind of mad at god right sure yeah and stuff like that and you know it's it's okay mm-hmm Part of the awakening realizes that that divine force of the universe lets us be, mm -hmm. right? Gives us the opportunity to feel, to express, to uh, experience. And that's why we're here. Sure. We're not here to be safe. Yeah. We're not here to, you know, make, you know, $150,000 a year and, and, you know, tiptoe on everything. So you don't lose that $150,000 a year job. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're, done in that position the universe will yes will get you out of and it and if you try to hold on to it it's going to be sledgehammer blows yeah that's yeah. going to let you know that you're not supposed to be there so i heard you say earlier i had this awakening i had this awakening um so it sounds like you know you're someone said i've had many awakenings and i'm awakening are you awake let's say i'm stirring <laughs> i mean there's no real definition of when you're fully awake i think when you become fully awake you ascend yeah, I mean, um, you know, like I'm glad you said that because I feel pretty similar, um, you know, and I want to throw something in there here in a second. But, you know, there is these a lot of things that are happening when you look back at your life and say, oh, I was I really woke up here and I really woke up to this because this event happened to me uh, when I got out of school or when I was in that car accident. And so, I, you know, I, I feel so I don't feel like I'm awake. I feel like I am awakening. And I feel like that's where the woke thing the <laughs> yeah. woke agenda is detrimental yes to this kind of spiritual thing that we nobody i don't think anybody that i know is claiming to know at all by any means yes um but to me the woke stuff is i don't even want to read that all right because to me, it's a psyop it's it's somebody using i don't even name any names i don't even think i have to name any names but there's obviously an agenda out there to put certain things into this woke agenda and it's detrimental to the spiritual awakening people who are, you know, being humble about it. We're, we're, we're trying to talk about it. We're not saying we know it all. But when you have this kind of ideology that I'm woke and I know all the things and I know everything, man, that's really bad for you. Like, that's not humble at all. It's not, you know, you are, you know, and I get it as you learn. When I first started waking up, I really felt like I knew a lot of things. And I was like, man, the universe has given me so much about these certain topics. I don't want to tell everybody, but 
sometimes you need some sledgehammer blows to you to be like, hey, man, you don't know it all yet. And then now, as, as long as I've been waking up, I feel like I know this much of an infinite amount of information. And that that humble, humbles me a lot. So I feel like the whole woke agenda is very dangerous sometimes to well, uh, spirituality. Well, it, it is. And it, it's a danger, not just the spirituality. Um, it's a danger to its original intent. It's a religion, original intent of being woke was to to be aware of the social injustices that are going on. Mm-hmm. You know, most times it started with the black community. Mm-hmm. It was there to show, look, look at the different things that are going on you know, black lives, matter and, black stuff, lives yeah. matter and stuff. And, and, you know, I mean, that's a whole other topic. Unfortunately, the black lives matter thing literally um, became a scam. Well, you it know, was set up by George Soros. And right. But, but, but what happened is all the people who they, they benefited financially, it never went to the people, all the money that was raised went, yeah. didn't go to the people that they were saying it was going to go the to people run into a multi-million dollar right? it, it, it house was a scam. mansion in California, and, you know, yeah, you know, when it comes into the Black Lives Matter, I I'm that one of those people who say all lives matter. Don't knock it into one category. Um, if you're going to be woke, woke should mean that you are aware of the inequalities that go on in life. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is like some people want to go into socialism because they said, well, then you're going to have an equal distribution of money. But that isn't how it works. You know, the Soviet Union was both socialistic and communistic. Were the people given stuff? Yeah, but they were bread lines all the time. They had very limited food. Um, there was the elite who lived in mansions and stuff. It be, really became the king and the serfs. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, when you have somebody who has a lot of talent. Is getting the same as the person who has none of that talent and is not doing the same, not contributing not even close to the same amount. Mm-hmm. Is that, are they on, are, are they equal? You well, know what this I mean? This spiritually, they differ a little be. bit, yeah. Spiritually, they can be mm-hmm. the same, equal. But if I'm putting in all the work and this person refuses to work and they get all the benefits, just sitting on, you know, watching TV and drinking a beer and this person's working his butt off, mm-hmm. is that equal? Well, I I just try to see it from a different point of well, view. My and point that's of, why we're here. To talk and that's why we're here to talk about it, right? Yeah. My point of view is if I, so when we talk about someone who is awake, I do think people, there have been people who, who were awake. Uh, when people ask Buddha, like, who are you? What are you? He said, I'm awake. He, mm-hmm. he used that exact term. And I think he was awake. And I think he probably did fully open that pineal gland. He fully opened yeah. the chakras and they were all working. And I think Jesus and Krishna and there, you know, definitely a lot of other people uh, even saints and stuff, I feel like we're really, um, if they weren't awake, they were really, a, a, you know, awakening a lot and to their full potential. So, but I would think if, if Christ was standing here and there was somebody who came, everybody's looking for food and this guy works his butt off all day and this guy has been sitting on the street, I don't see him giving any more to that guy than this guy. He's going to probably give him the same amount. And so well, to that, me, but social, that's equality. Yeah. And that's because he's not judging what they're doing. Right. He's just giving somebody to get their hungry. Right. If you're hungry. And that's right. the thing is, is um, it, it's what happens is, is a lot of it. We're polarizing into categories mm-hmm. and that's separating us. Um, like, you know, when we go talking about the people who are, the, you know, um, let's see, uh, the non-binary, the, you know, if we're going into that thing, you know, all those are terms. Mm-hmm. I see each person 
as a human. Yes. And it's not and there is you're no gay, race. you're straight, you're you're this, you're that. No, you're a human being. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna do my best to treat you equally. I don't care what you're wearing. Mm-hmm. I don't care, you know, who you're sleeping with. I I don't care. Yes. If you are kind to me, I'm kind to you. Well, if you're I'm not probably kind, gonna be kind regardless. I, and well, I, that's where I, I was try. going. I said, but no matter what, I'm gonna try to be kind to everybody who comes into my corner. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the things I do think is a part of a bigger agenda, because for sure, there is only one race. That's the human race, the human race. When we're all dig up. I want to love you all. I want to love everybody. A hundred percent. So I do. I do 100 percent subscribe to that. I I think uh, and I don't know the quote exactly, but Christian Murdy once said, you know, when you're when you claim to be a Christian or a Muslim or that you're being violent, you don't really realize it because anything that you're putting out there. To say I'm this and I know a bunch of people of you aren't that, you're dividing yourself. Mm-hmm. So really to see humanity as a whole, to see everyone as brothers and sisters, and it, the more you divide yourself into these small categories, we're divided up. And yeah. that is the ultimate goal of some people who are up here is as long as we fight each other well, based on and that's anything. That's exactly else. what this is all about. Right. And that's and that's exactly what this is all about, is to separate all of us. Everybody has something they can contribute to each other. Yes. I, yeah. You know, everybody, um, you could be mentally challenged. You still have something to contribute. You have sometimes those people who are mentally challenged can be the wisest people in all the world mm. because most times they have to function on what's coming from their heart. Yes. And that's generally more the truth. Yes. And since you said that, I do want to say I, I do work with special needs uh, kids and adults regularly. And I tell you what, I have seen the beauty in all of them. And in some ways, some of them are so more so far advanced beyond us. We don't even recognize it. Um, they don't care oftentimes what they're wearing, who they're wearing, um, what they look like. It's irrelevant. It's it's you know, put clothes on. I don't even need clothes. I can walk out here naked and I'm not gonna care. I'm only gonna put these clothes on because you told me to. Um, and there's a freedom to that that none of us have. Right. To be able to walk around like that and be totally free and not care. And there are things. Um, I work with a kid who has Down syndrome and this kid, he wants to be the center of attention. He's super funny. He's got the best laugh and it would be hard to hang out with him if you not to giggle and if you not to laugh. Right. And that is a laughter is a powerful medicine. It's one of the best medicines. It is one of the best medicines. Yeah, so it is. I do think even though they may seem different in our society, there are things that they have to contribute, like you said, and there are things that they are more advanced in than oftentimes that we are. And if you can see that, you can see that every human being really is completely invaluable. Like there's no, they're priceless. There's yeah. no price. I yeah. And I think part of that, that's when you can see that, like you're, like you're recognizing that's one reason why you work with the special needs. That's part of the awakening process for you. Sure. But also when you tell your story, you're helping the people who are watching, you're helping me to see from your eyes and what you experience on a daily basis working with this community. Mm-hmm. Um, Even and, and learning wisdom. patience, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. It just, just you're helping me learn patience, you know? And I'm trying to help you learn how to put your clothes on and how to get dressed and how to do things. You're helping me learn patience, kindness, acceptance, you know? Um, and that to me is the things that, you know, a lot of us need to work on the most. And, and, and that's a great teacher. They're a great teacher yeah. in that way. So, yeah, um, I'm very thankful for that community. And uh, I do think so back to socialism real quick. I just want to add this because a lot of people do get a, kind of a bad rap on socialism. But if well, you like I'm, firefighters, do you like police officers, do you like public schools, all that stuff is all the taxes that we pay that everyone should benefit from equally. Now, they don't always. Mm-hmm. 
capitalism can be the same way. It's all tainted. Martin Luther King said, if we never become a society based on humans and it's only profit based or thing based, we're, oh, we're always going to be a sick. I, I think society. it has to be the combination thereof. You got to be a big combination. You got a big combination. Yeah, gotta be you got to you got to put them all in the blender and 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 put them together. What's the positive attitude? But what's the number one thing you think that has to? What does it have to be about? Community. <laughs> I, I would it's I would about, just say people. Yeah. Yeah. That, people. Well, that's community. That's the yeah. Hundred yeah, percent. Every single person needs to be just as valuable as anybody doing any job, any president, CEO. Everybody, and when, that's kind of like what your dad says, you know, talk to the janitor, same way you talk to CEO, mm -hmm. you know, you speak to them with respect and everything. That's how I was told to speak to yes. people. And it's something I always remembered. And I was like, you know what? I never talked down about anybody. I never talked down about such these people, nothing, because I see the value in every single person. And, and if they're here, they're needed. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm just picturing in my mind, if you didn't have a janitor in your schools, you didn't have a, a janitor in the office complex, mm -hmm. would you want to go in there? No, I mean, no. you, you picture all the dirt and the dust and the papers and and leaves it or the mud and everything else. It would look disgusting. Yeah, that means they they actually the janitor, the lowest of the low, or, or except or except for those who clean out the uh, the toilets, you know. But those those are probably the most important jobs. But it's um, like the socialized caste system, that's right? The, yeah, it's the bay, you know. I mean, with, if you're going into taxes, you know, we're, we're going way off on the topics, but still, okay. if you're going with taxes, it should be equal. You know, if, you know, if, if I'm having to pay 20% of my income or 30% of my income, mm. right, down here, they should be at least getting that taken out up oh, there and not having fair. all these incredible tax loopholes right. where they're not paying anything. And they're not, you know, like they, they went after Trump, they, they go off after Elon and everybody else, mm. but but they're doing everything legally because they have the loopholes yeah. within the thing. And if they're doing it legally, yeah, the there are some me, loopholes I get hold of. I would certainly I have, use I, them as well. Yes, exactly. But I think it's like a socialized caste system where it's like, yes, it you is. know, and, and it is a caste system. It is. And it's like, it's not something that we should be really engaged in, but we are. And we do it just because we've been brainwashed really and programmed to think that way. But someone who works at McDonald's or any other food restaurant i'm sorry you can say what you want to about me but you most people eat three times a day right i you know and that to me is a valuable thing you got to eat every day you got to get your hair cut you got to get your grass cut and every job is something that makes the our world work and if you don't have like you said a janitor it's you don't want to go in there and right. so why and, and is the place would start falling apart you know every every job is important to me well i mean stephen who was talking earlier mm -hmm. every time we've gone somewhere he goes, thank you for being here. Mm. You know, waitress, we're, we're in line for, you know, uh, you know, a cup of coffee at 7-Eleven or something. And he's like, you know, I, he looks at the name tag. He says their name and he says, thank you for being here. Thank you for serving us. Thank you for making this happen. You know, that type of thing. He's acknowledging everybody. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things, you know, part of the awakening process is the acknowledgement of you know, the people around us, but also the acknowledgement of ourselves, mm. right? We have to look within ourselves and say, you know, yeah, I've been through, I've done some really crappy things, but I've also done some good things, right? It's acknowledging who we are, what we've done. Um, I'm, so, I'm rolling away from the, the thing here. <laughs> um, but accepting it, that, that this was part of your experience. Mm -hmm. We came here to experience life. And not all life is, you know, butterflies and rainbows and unicorns. Right. 
right? Sometimes it's, you know, cut knees and broken arms and, you know, uh, near-death experiences and all yeah, these it, types of things. Yeah. But if you look at them from the perspective of what did I learn from it? Mm. What did I gain from this? You know, what insight? Did I learn boundaries? Did I learn to say no? Did I learn to that I have a voice and I need to speak it, but not with anger? Usually when it comes out in the beginning, it's with anger mm -hmm. because it's like breaking free. I'm going to say it, you know, and this is the way it is. But, you know, even though it might be offensive and I don't call language violent, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people use that term now. If you look up the definition of violence, it's the act of physical. It's a physical aggression. Mm -hmm. You know, the other thing is not violence. Um, you can write violence and you can speak about violence, but you can't commit violence with your mouth, meaning that you're not actually ha having physical harm. All right. It, it uh, you know, it could be aggression, um, oppression. You know, there's other words for what really goes on. Mm -hmm. um, but the, I'm losing my track of mind. I'm oh, going off. You're good. No. Um, but I, yeah, I totally, I, I, I hear what you're saying. But all, when we're, we're processing all these emotions and words, because all the, the language is changing, words that I grew up with have completely different meanings now. And yes. the words that the way I used them growing up were different than what my parents grew up. So our English language is changing. So I'd, I'd recommend everybody out there who's watching or who will watch in the future is to find a really old dictionary mm -hmm. and look at the difference. You know, um, there are people who collect dictionaries. Yeah. And and, those old Webster, you know, yeah. yeah. But find an old one because I have an old one from when I was in sixth grade that I was using for playing um, a game, you mm -hmm. know, Scrabble. And and I had somebody who was, you know, in their 20s playing and they're that's not what it means. That's not what it means. You know, they're arguing now. You know what I mean? When we were having a discussion mm -hmm. and I handed this and I was like, well, that's not the same. Pulls out another dictionary. And we're both right. Mm -hmm. um, but because my generation was different, you know, like like the word gay mm -hmm. back in um, the 30s, 40s, 50s um, and probably most of the 60s. I'm not sure about that. Um, that was about gay meant happy, joyous. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, they had a movie from the 1940s or 50s, the gay divorcee. Meaning he was happy that he was divorced. Yeah. Right. But today, when you look at that, I would look at it and go, oh, the guy, you know, is gay. You know, he's he's homosexual, you know, or whatever. You know what I mean? The words have changed in our dynamics. And that's also where some of our separation and where we're um, not communicating effectively with the generations mm -hmm. is because the terminologies have changed. And, you know, like mine is probably a bit different than yours because you're I'm like 20 years older than you. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And they're the young kids are saying things that, you know, you right. I would and say, I try to keep up. Say, as I wouldn't know. As I you wouldn't know. You know, I yeah. try to keep up as much as I can. But since I'm not around um, that age range anymore, mm -hmm. as often, you know, thank God I got a lot of friends in their early 20s, mid 20s and stuff I, I pick up and, you know, and I learn. But that's also part of the awakening process, mm -hmm. because what I had a definition of in the past is now changing. It's expanding for me because right. I still have the memory of the old one. But now I have all these new elements that mm. it could mean. So depending on the crowd who I'm talking to, right, I, I, have, an, I have an idea of what they're talking with the context of the sentence sure. that they're not meaning happy. They're meaning, you something know, else, yeah. something else. 
Well, I want to go. So I want to go back and, and talk about make a comment on one thing. And then I have a question for you. Yeah. So the thing I want to talk about is you were saying that Stephen said these things to people like, you know, I'm glad you're here and being kind to people. And to me, that is a that's a really big spiritual practice. I think all of us need to uh, kind of subscribe to sometimes is that if we're all God, and that's what I believe, I believe mm-hmm. everyone is mm-hmm. God, everyone is an aspect, everyone is, is, uh, is you're playing a character, right? We're all, we're all playing a role, but deep down, our souls are all made of the same stuff. And the same thing, I made the same thing, my soul's made the same thing, like Jesus Christ or Buddha or Krishna or Muhammad or Allah, anybody else. Um, and that's why he said, you can do all the same thing as doing a greater thing. Yep. I use so, that all the time. <laughs> right? And, and when I'm reading... I, you know, when I read the Bible, I especially love the words in red spoken by Christ. And I obviously I read them a lot and, and research for some of the other podcasts that we do. It, you know, there's really specific instructions that Christ always says, you know, talking about feeding people on time. You know, like I have a special needs person that lives with me. And just like reading that makes you think, don't cook her meal early just because it's convenient for you. Cook it on time. Even she can't talk. She's not going to, you know, she can't tell me when she wants it necessarily. But I know when she wants it. I know when she wants to eat. I shouldn't cook it early to be convenient for me. Treat people the way not you want to be treated, the best way you can think of treat. Because this is God. And, you know, Christ is saying that yes. when the time comes at the end times, you know, there's no everything you've done is wide out there in the open. And so if you're someone who treats people poorly, if you're someone who lies and cheats and stuff and you think you're getting away with it, you know, when the end times, when this when this time comes, when this kind of um, purification happens, all those things that you did, how you treat people, you know, according to Christ, he's saying those who treated the, my 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 people the best, you're going to be put up in a place to take care of my people because you took care of my people well. Mm-hmm. And I think about that and I think about, you know, there are times when I obviously get frustrated and, and it's tough to work with some special needs people and it can be hard. And I say, do I get mad? Do I get angry? You know, or do I, you know, always speak from my heart, always be kind and always like under try to understand where they're coming from because I feel like it's because I'm by myself doesn't mean I'm alone. And there's people watching and I, you know, that's part of the karma, you know, and like yeah. how you treat people. How you drive out there on the road, how you talk to yourself and how you talk to others is what's going to come back to you. Oh, 100%. And if you bully yourself, you know, and if you bully and that, how you treat yourself is obviously your 100%. Um, and that's and that's one reason why they say you need to be number one in your own life. Yeah. So you've got how you treat yourself is how you tell everyone else to treat you. Exactly. So when you're like beating yourself up or you have an attitude. Time, yeah, then you're, you're gonna, gonna get that back. So you're gonna get that back to you. I, I realize, you know, how I drive and let people come on in, pull on in, and then I almost, I, you know, right, right after that, sometimes I need to be let in, you know, yeah. or if I pull over and get in front of somebody, then somebody does it to me almost instantaneous sometimes, within seconds, sometimes or minutes, right after that, and I realize, oh, you know, gotta watch myself, you know, that's my cue, and I'm constantly watching the world and how the things that are happening to me are probably mostly because of how I'm being in the world and that right that really honestly if you think about it you're looking into a mirror and the things that you say and the things that you do it's just mirroring all that stuff back to you if you want to be happy be happy you smile and the mirror smiles back but you can't be like i'm going to do all these things and everything else and then i'm going to be happy no the mirror's not going to smile until you smile and then it smiles exactly and, it, so. and, and that brings up to a thing uh, uh i guess it was a type of awakening too um it was in 2007 i was at a, a workshop and um, the person leading the workshop says, everybody, I want you to go out, you know, and 
go to, go to the bathroom and go look in the mirror and look yourself straight in the eye and say, I love you. And so, you know, there was over five, 600 people, maybe a thousand people in the thing. So it took a while, mm-hmm. you know, so everybody was able to take a break and everything too. And he came back in and he started asking questions. How easy was it for you to say, I love you to yourself, looking yourself square in the eye? Could you look yourself square in the eye? And I'll say 95% of the people said it was almost impossible for them to look themselves square in the eye and say, I love you. Because there's always something within us that we think we should be better at or we're ashamed of and everything else. That's also part of the human experience. But that also blocks us, you know, because we don't feel worthy enough Mm, to be awake. And just by what you're saying is how you treat the other people um, in your life. You have a choice every moment. Right. You know, I can be mad at this person and I can blow up, but I can also realize that I blew up and say, you know something, I've had a rough day and I took it out on you. I'm sorry. Yeah. But most people are afraid to do that because then it shows that they're weak. That's not weak. That's the most that's the most spiritual, Mm. strong energy that you can have. But that sorry can instantly change the entire energy in the whole room because somebody's mad at you, too, because you talk to them like that and their feelings are hurt. When you sincerely say it, exactly. and you really mean it. When you mean it from your heart. It just yes. kind of just washes it all away and cleanses it. It's almost well, like repenting. Most, like, I'm sorry. I'm truly am sorry for those yeah. things. And most times it does, but sometimes it doesn't. But that's also okay because that was also a triggering mechanism for them to start to realize that they're holding grudges, hmm. that they're not able to forgive, they're not able to release. And that's one of the things, you know, it, it's also a lesson for them. They might not get it. They might not awaken mm-hmm. to that right away. But the more it happens and the more they realize that how they're reacting to things is allowing them to be segregated from, from what were once friends. You know, I mean, I see so many friendships end over stupid little arguments, yeah. you know, or differences. You know, I mean, oh, my God, uh, my in my own family, when, you know, some of the politics was going on and one believed in this and everybody else didn't, you know, the one who believed this way ostracized the rest of the family for for years. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? And it was like, to me, that is so silly. We have one lifetime. You know, you love the person, even if you disagree with them. That doesn't mean you stop loving them. That usually you can never stop loving. You cover it over with something else. Mm-hmm. You you bury it under um, anger or hate. You know, but that love is always in the core. If you've loved somebody once, you always love somebody. Yeah. If you really love them, if you love them, yeah. And not not you know just like they felt good, you know, yeah. <laughs> or something. But where you felt, you know, if you can feel the loss of somebody in your life, and you think of them, and you wish it was different. That means you've loved that person, mm-hmm. right? On some level. Now, love isn't always a, a physical thing. It's a, a spiritual, it's an emotional mm-hmm. thing. Um, but you can have all those things. And and being awake is really about becoming more aware of how you're walking in this world. Yes. Um, in the morning, you right. wake up and you're having, you wake up and you're grumpy and everything. Kick out of the bed. Most times it's because we're not grounded. Ground yourself. Do some grounding exercises. If you don't know what that is, go look it up. You know, other other term is earthing and and stuff like that. It's all grounding techniques. But but make a choice in that morning. I've I've done it before when I was a cop. You know, I didn't get enough rest. I'm I'm really you know if I don't sleep well, I'm I'm an asshole. I'm an asshole. <laughs> um, you know, my my friends, my close friends and family have permission to say, John, go take a nap. Because usually it's because I'm too exhausted. I'm tired. I'm mm. mentally shot. 
That's and, all it takes a lot of time is just to take a second to yeah to go reset. back to yourself and say, hey, look, you know, I stubbed my toe. I'm going to have a bad day. No, 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 I'm not. I stubbed my toe then. The rest of the day is going to be great. And <laughs> manifest that and create that. And, Instead and of saying, I, you know, exactly. I'm going to have a bad day because this thing happened already. My morning's already started bad. Yeah. Um, I, so. Yeah. In that instance, what I literally did was I caught myself and said, clear that. Whoa, no. Um, yeah. you know, because I would, I go, someone's going to mess with me. I'm going to fuck them up. That's, but that's what I say. Can I say this? Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. and the thing is, is, uh, I, I caught myself and I said, no, I have a choice here. And I said, and I said, I was driving in my car. I'm in uniform and driving, you know, to work. I wasn't in the patrol car or, or, you know, I worked in a jail mostly, but, um, I, I literally said, no. I'm going to work. I'm going to I'm going to be a comedian today. I am not going to write up anything. I am going to I'm going to treat everything with humor Mm -hmm. because I know that's complete opposite of what I was feeling. I choose to have a good day today. I choose to to be funny. I choose to be in work in peace, light, love, compassion, truth, integrity, forgiveness and thanksgiving. And And I say that to myself every day. That's my goal. That's my goal of the day. Every morning I get up and I meditate and I say, you know, I say, Spirit, Lord, please allow me to work this day and every day of my existence in peace, light, love, compassion, truth, integrity, forgiveness, and thanksgiving. That's my daily goal to do that. Yeah. And and do I make it all the time? No. Right. Right. So those are affirmations that you're saying. Those are affirmations. Right. And so what if somebody's watching this tonight or watching this uh, somewhere down the road and they some event has happened to them in their life. Some sledgehammer blow from the universe has come and hit yeah, them. Like you know, car accident, car accident the family or lost whatever. The, job, yeah. the relationships ended. Um, you know, to me, uh, suffering was really the thing I think ultimately that brought forth the largest awakening mm. in my life. That, well, it's usually the most, the biggest key. Yeah. I mean, I'm miserable, right? You know, you're miserable in life. And I came to the conclusion I've, Basically, rock created, rock yeah, created my own hell. And if I'm powerful enough to create my own hell, because, you know, I'm not like I'm living on the street or anything. I have an apartment and, you know, I'm li- living in Atlanta. I'm working as a bartender, but like, I'm not happy. I'm not, you know, like something is definitely missing in my life. And I'm having this huge awakening going on. And I'm like, I got I got to get out of here. And my heart's saying, you got to go move to Colorado and you got to work with kids. And that's it. And yeah. my brain's like, no one's going to hire you to work with any kids in Colorado. But I trusted my heart and I trusted that everything that I gave away at the time and moved to Colorado, I would get and get more. And I've certainly you got knew you would return. Yeah, well, that yes, would come back. Yeah, certainly got all of it and much, much more at this point. But if somebody's watching right now and they're hearing those affirmations, like, OK, that's something I could do. What are some other things you think that people could do? to help with their awakening. Cause I think well, once you've had that blow, once you've had this, you know, kind of both the universe says, okay, life isn't what I always thought it was. Now I'm willing to just to start from the bottom and learn everything over and relearn things. Well, I think it's really important to, to ground mm-hmm. is, is so important to ground because what grounding does it, um, when I do readings, you know, I've got like these 15 decks of cards on the table, but I'm also, I do mediumship. And when it comes in, um, I, I use the example of life can be very chaotic. There can be so much going on when you have something that's overwhelming you, Mm. right. And you are completely overwhelmed and you can't make decisions. You can't do it. That means you're totally ungrounded at that point in time. Being grounded is one, taking a moment to breathe, take moments, 
and do several breaths, you start to feel yourself centering more. Mm. You generally start to feel a little bit of sense of peace. Even through all that, you feel a little bit. But we tend to fight it because when we lose somebody, we want to suffer in a way because we can't be with them. Mm. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's a lot of psychological things going on in our mind. But the grounding can also take it down a notch. Right. But when you start to breathe, you're bringing it down into another sense. And what what grounding does, and I use an example of taking is like you have these like 15 decks of playing cards and they're all different colors. Right. And they have different graphics on it, but they might have all the same numbers. Mm. Right. And all they're all lined up in their piles. And then you take that all of them and you mix them together and you got like a thousand cards piled up here. And I say, I want you to pick five cards out of that blue deck with the dragons on it. You got five seconds, go. Well, you got a thousand cards. Are you like, you're deer in headlights, you're frozen. Mm-hmm. And then you go, oh crap, I'm losing time. And you're tense and you jump into it with, you know, so tense where you lose your fine motor skills. You're lucky, you won't even get one card in that five seconds. You're not even going to find one because mm-hmm. your mind's frenzied. Meaning you're not grounded. You're you're everything. Mm-hmm. You're overwhelmed. What grounding does is takes this big pile and puts them into the individual piles. Mm-hmm. Right? Where you oh, there's the the deck with the the dragons. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four, five. Or most times you'll pick up five. I show it to my clients all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I use the example. I mean, I don't put a big pile, but I I. When the decks are in the thing, I reach out and I pull out and I go one, two, three, four, five more times than I pick up six or seven or four. Right. Right. And, you know, you can't tell they're all stacked together. Yeah. And that air is mental, right? So when we're in a fear state, we're breathing much more shallow. And when you take those deep breaths, you come to that here and right. now and you relaxed and your brain works better. Right. And that's, you know, one that, of the things that, why tests aren't very good in school, because when you're stressed right. out of that test, I was horrible. Too. Your brain is not making those connections yeah. to pull that stuff out of your mind. You'll be, no, you probably looked at it and you know the answer, but you're not catching it. You're not pulling it out. Right. And, and that was me. That was me. One, you're, me too. Did yeah, you too. look up my records? No, no. <laughs> I just know, uh, John. Um, yeah, you just know me. Uh, um, but the thing was, is that that's the first step. Mm-hmm. Now, after that, you sit there and um, like when that tragic situation is to go. What can I learn from this? Right. You're taking what what positive can come from this? Mm-hmm. Right. And it might be that all of a sudden you were called to action. That this will should never have happened, right? And that might through be through anger. Now, anger is an emotion that we all have. It's part of being human, mm-hmm. right? But to use the anger as a constructive thing, not a destructive thing. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm angry right now. This should never have happened. And you look at the legal ramifications of what went on, what should have been, what should have been in place, that because this has happened to thousands of other people and it could have been easily remedied if someone really looked at it. Mm-hmm. Well, then you sit there and all of a sudden you find some other people who had the same thing. You found there was a group out there and all of a sudden you're starting to think and all of a sudden you write up this paperwork and you bring it to the, you know, the, the Senate or the Congress or whatever it is and the lawmakers and you get this thing instituted in because it was well thought out. Mm-hmm. Right now, that horrible thing that went on now has a positive effect to not only the person who did it because they're accomplishing something, but the people who got involved with it and the people who don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. have now been saved by this horrendous 
thing that may have gone on for you. It's it's basically looking for the silver lining in that thundercloud. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, everything, you know, one of the things, everything happens for a reason. And that reason is there to serve me. Mm-hmm. Right. Me, the spirit, you know, for you to wake up. Yeah. Not happening to you. Right? Exactly. And, and and that's, you know, a lot of times what we do is we all go, we all do it and we go into victim energy. Yes, I think and, that, that victimization is real heavy right now. And I feel like everybody want to claim to be a victim for some reason, some, some, well, yeah. that's really detrimental to your spiritual growth. It, it is detrimental to the spiritual growth and societal too. That you're it, here it, by it, accident. It creates and been, those gaps that we talked yeah, about you're, earlier. Yeah, you're here by accident and things aren't, you know, have never been easy for you. And that's fine. You know, you grow and you learn and you, and you move on and, and that's, but to be a victim, man, that's a, that's a bad yeah. I feel like that's not a great place to to be and just realize everything is happening for me and to wake up and to do the best that I yeah, can. Yeah, and I'm looking in here and what I have on the screen here is from Chris. You know, yes, education is the key. Breathing is the next level above love. It's called freedom. Mm-hmm. Hello, love and light, beautiful family from PA. Okay, breathing mixed with the blood, love and freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, the breath is so important. That's why they say breath is nice. Um, you know, when we're shallow breathing, we don't have generally our brain cells are not being oxygenated as much. Mm-hmm. Right. So we'll have slower um, mental faculties mm-hmm. when we don't breathe correctly. And then breathing, do using breathing techniques. That's what they do in yoga. They do it in a lot of different things. Right. Is extremely important. And that's a good one, too. Yoga is a great practice. Yeah. In order to help yourself wake up. One of the things in yoga that I first realized was that grudges and things you were talking about earlier holding these things against people that they did something to you and so you're angry about it and i would hold on to that and i found out in yoga i did a back bend one of my first classes and i you know did the back bend and turn around and had this euphoric release of what seemed to be grudges that i'd held inside my body and had this kind of pain physical pain in my back from it that i was literally released from and i was like oh wow you know if i hold on to grudges i'm going to have from angry at somebody i'm not just have this interjection inner uh, energetic connection to them but i'm also holding on to this thing that's hurting me right physically and, yeah and then there's a technique out there called the emotion code mm-hmm. if you've ever heard of it yeah and then the secondary part of that is the body code mm-hmm. but that talks about those type of things the emotions that are trapped within the body from different experiences and sometimes passed on like a legacy from generation to generation and you know they have different techniques where you can help release that without having to be re-traumatized like a lot of times people go to therapies and they bring up the the past they bring up the experience and the person's re-traumatized mm. do you have to go through that i mean because that's stunting their awakening process to bring it up to well yeah to bring it up in the manner that they where they're reliving it um, I mean, I, I feel like that sometimes is good because well, you know, you, if you're not aware of certain things, bring I, yeah, it up. I didn't say always. Oh, okay, okay, I didn't say always. All right. right, it depends on the individual, and you can usually get that with the type of conversation. There's ways to to circumvent having them dead on face like this. Sometimes it has to come in in little tidbits where they're able to process. Otherwise, they get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Right, it's again if they get grounded and they breathe. They might be able to handle that process, but do they teach that when you're, you know, going into counseling? Mm-hmm. Not many. More are doing that stuff. More yeah. are across because I know my ex-wife is an LPC. Um, I have friends that are LPCs, actually, you know, who come become my clients too. And you know, we 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 talk, 
And, you know, I share what I do the way I do it so they can share it with them, you know, their patients and stuff like that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all comes down to, you know, knowledge is not sacred. Knowledge should be shared. Right. Now, what popped into my mind about 10 minutes ago was that a lot of times what happens is, you know, like if if you're, say, an ultra Christian is what I call them, where they, this is this and it's so locked in and this is the word and you can't do anything else. Yoga is the work of the devil. Meditation is the work of the devil. I've had people who come eventually to meditations that I've led mm. who that's the way they were raised and everything. And they were so uncomfortable in there. I said, just relax, just breathe, mm-hmm. you know? And I said, if you, if it doesn't resonate with you, then don't come back. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You know, it's okay. But there's more out there. It's not about control. It's about learning and, and understanding the dynamics of the energy that we have, the interactions that we have. Mm-hmm. You know when something's wrong, don't you? Yeah. When something's well, off. The funny thing you say that, though, just so you guys know, in the book of Psalms, the word meditation is used dozens of times. And in Matthew, it literally says, those who sat in darkness saw great light. So if you're sitting in darkness, I don't know what else you would be doing, but besides meditating, you know what I mean? Right. So it's, it is clear in there, you know? It is. And and I think it's because of how whoever their um, pastor or teacher was yeah. used it as a negative and that got passed on. And, and it's, again, it's with the language and that wording and stuff like that and, ha- and what we infer, what that word means, mm-hmm. that twists it from its original meaning into something that could be bad. Right. And so that gets passed on because, you know, this person's learning and that you look up to this person. You know, I look up to this guy right up behind me. There, where is he? Over there. <laughs> right there. Right. Um, Sasquatch. Yeah. And we can get into him, too, in a little while. But the thing is, is that, you know, everything, if we follow the energetic field mm. that we feel in our heart and our gut, there are neurons in both of those. I'm sliding away again. Yeah, I'm rolling. Yeah. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Yeah. Um, you know, you've talked to this, I think, on one of your shows, too. Um, it's up to 11 seconds that, you know, that they found, and they believe it's further, that we sense things we'll say in the future through the heart and the gut, because it works on an energetic field, which is a quantum field mm. where our brain, you know, works, you know, when we think it's working off of this, 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 the touch, it's the senses and it's putting in the data. And most of the data we get from school is what? It's in books. It's from someone talking. So it's coming in through the senses, mm-hmm. right? Where this works off on the energetic field, the mm-hmm. quantum field, right? Of all that was, is, and shall be. Right. Right. They literally did a test in the early 1960s, um, which was actually done again about three or four years ago with using modern equipment as opposed to flashcards and stuff like that. Um, and unbeknownst to the new people, they didn't know that this study was already done, is where they did a baseline. They hooked up the wires on the brain to get the, you know, silogra- you know the oscilloscope out or whatever it is, the ECG, EKG, or all those stuff. They were all hooked up, wired. Right. And um, they literally, the, they did a baseline. They, asked, they showed them certain things. So they had a baseline of reaction. And... When they, back in the 1960s, all of a sudden a person handed them a card, but before they handed them the card, they were getting waves going off before it was flatlined. And all of a sudden a wave started going, Mm -hmm. 
right? And when they turn the card over and they eyesore it, all of a sudden the top wave matched. <laughs> right. Right. And in the modern one, they did it with a computer screen. It was black. All of a sudden, you know, it's it's black. But they're the participants were getting this the wave going, and it could have been jagged, right? right? Going across. What happened? Soon as the picture came up, it showed victims of the tsunami were being washed up on the on the the thing. Something terrible, right? Mm. Um, they might have had two or three of those pictures going off every so often. It would go blank again, and and it, over and over and over again, the heart on the nice pictures, you know, the field and the butterflies with nice flowing, you know, sine wave. And then all of a sudden it would change. And the next picture that popped up was, you know, uh, you know, someone getting blown up by a bomb yeah. or something like yeah. that. So if when we follow our heart and not allowing our brain to override it, saying that's not logical. Yes. Right. You will be in a, the, the awakening process will come at a much faster rate. That's why staying in a job that you hate only because it's money and it's safe is detrimental. Oh, yes, 100%. You know, it, we're here to experience life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent. It is so important to have those things. Yes, absolutely. Because you become a more rounded human being, spiritual being. Um, you become much more compassionate. Because, you know, everybody has gone through suffering. Everybody has, even right. the most insulated person. Right. And that's why I see it has to be buried down in the darkness in order to have that darkness for it to bloom. And then the roots stay where? They stay under the ground, in right. the ground. Your roots and your foundation are underground. Well, in the dark. you know, the native people's, you know, the void, the dream time, you know, the void, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's like black. It's first, you know, the void is black. There's no light. There's nothing. It's the void. And a lot of people are afraid of the dark. But the void, you know, like in the Bible, what did it say when creation started? Well, the beginning was the word. And then the word was God. Yeah. And the word was God. And then what about the light? Oh, uh, created the light and the light was good. Right. Created light. Mm -hmm. Right. But without light, it's dark. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now, the, a lot of the native belief system was the, the, the darkness, the void is where all the ingredients of life, of, of existence, was stored. Think of it as the closet of creation. Mm -hmm. So when you bring light inside the closet, you're able to grab out <laughs> the tools. Right. And that's and so it's kind of what you're talking about earlier is school and this kind of being in school and learning and everything and growing. And so when I was in public school from kindergarten to 12th grade and then going to college. You know, I felt like I'd learned very little, you know, and I felt like I was saying to you earlier when I got out of school uh, in 2007, I, you know, after my awakening really took off because I no longer had to go to school. I had a lot of free time. So I had a lot of time to read books and to scour the Internet and try to find things. But I would say in that time from 2007 to now, I have learned an astronomical amount more about myself, about the world than it is only a tiny fraction of anything that I even learned in school that's even worth anything. So, and I attribute a lot of that to when the student is ready, the, the teacher, will appear. The, teacher yeah. the master will appear. And mm -hmm. what do you feel about that? Because I feel like when I was humbling myself and in 2007, I was like, I just, 
looked out to the universe and I was like, you know what? All I know is I came to this school. I spent a lot of money. I don't feel like I can, I'm any more worthy to get any job and make any kind of amount of money than when I got here. Mm-hmm. I barely know how to do a resume. And, you know, with a psychology degree, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I just kind of looked out to the universe and just said this as much as I'm saying, talking to you right now. Is, I don't know what the truth is. I don't know what learning is. I don't know what anything is. I don't know anything. But I was like, if God exists, if there's some higher power out there, please really, you know, reveal yourself to me in the most um, just noticing way so that I will see it and know it and have no doubts. And if Christianity is it or Buddhism or if atheism is right, just show me. And at that moment, that's when the breadcrumbs came for me. I had these epiphanies and revelations and aha moments and the breadcrumbs would come and read this book and check this out. And these really spiritual events and then people and situations and places to go. And it just like took off from there. Yeah, I think a lot of times those experiences come is when you really stopped looking, you started experiencing. Right. Yeah. All right. And that's one of the things I, I recommend for people is to start experiencing instead of looking like I'm searching, I'm searching, you know, I'm searching for God. I'm searching. It's like, no, just be mm-hmm. right. Experience. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. Right. Forgive. Be forgiven. You know, ask for forgiveness. We all done messed up things. We've all done them. I don't think there's very few people out there. And I know there are some that are, you know, really, you know, but they they walk the lines. They're so afraid to be to live. They they don't want to offend anybody, so they're not really living. They're kind of walking on the top of the fence. Mm-hmm. They're not jumping to either side or falling to either side. Um, is to experience. And if you make mistakes. You know, mistakes are where we learn our greatest things. Mm. We don't like to make and we don't like to acknowledge them. I'm, you know, I've raised my hand there, too. But the thing is, is that sometimes they happen no matter what. Mm-hmm. That yeah. humility is great. Yeah. And when someone can challenge you with something like you were talking about earlier. You can be challenged with something. You can learn a lot when you when you humble yourself enough. Like, I don't know at all of them. So when someone challenges me, some say, hey, you know, that's a good point. You know, I could see how that's that's right. You know, yeah. I can see how that makes sense. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I know I can get very stubborn when I'm feeling I'm right in a sense. You know what I mean? But then I'm <laughs> no. sitting there. But at the same time, a lot of times I, la- I, I catch myself in my mind and I start to laugh. And I said, wow, I'm, I'm being what I'm professing not wanting to be but but that's part of the human experience it's about letting us grow any questions on there or something i'm just looking yeah, yeah i'm trying right. to find a couple more for you yeah um you you know again we here we are here to experience life and and to do it just yes. be it not not to play it you know 100 safe yeah. no one wants to get hurt Mm-hmm. It's right. funny thing you said earlier. But if it's going to happen, we're searching for God, and like we're God's literally the one who's searching. And it's like, you know, how can you? You can't find anything, right? If you don't realize that, so you're well, like, the kingdom of heavens with all within us, you yeah. know. And it's like, well, can you search for air? I mean, I, don't, I mean, it's, it's a hard. simple example. It's hard. You yeah. can't. You, yeah, I mean, we know it's there because we were told it was there, mm-hmm. right? We were given a definition of what air is. Mm-hmm. We're given a definition of what God is. We're given a definition of of these things, right? But there's a there's a force in the universe, whatever you want to call it, that that came together, whatever it was that allowed this to appear, to yeah. create, to to just to, to exist in this framework. And you know, I believe in the soul, the spirit, right? That it's timeless, mm-hmm. right? That I've had many lifetimes, I've been regressed, I've I've meditated and seen different things, and some of it. Um, was able to be verified mm-hmm. some of the things that I've gone through. Um, 
but that that just shows that you know we are of something greater than this yes i i, I 100 believe in the, the reincarnation i've had many experiences and past life progressions and visions and things that just led me to 100 i didn't believe it to know that we live over and over again we're born over and over again to experience just too much to learn yeah in one life and it helps it helps to play different roles to play different skin tones to play different genders it helps all of that and i feel like for me i was i definitely was a female for a long time there yeah. and the probably the last you know more recent reincarnations have been male because that's what I need to learn here. Now, I probably got pretty good at being that female and learning those things. And it's like, all right, man, we got to balance you out. You got to be male. And so to learn that, and I feel like in this life, um, it made sense when I was a young kid going to family reunions and wanting to sit with the women and listen to them talk. And then I would make myself go over there and listen and sit with the men. And I would do both. And I would listen as long as I could for both of them. But I always felt more comfortable and wanted to go back to the women. And I always thought that was weird, you know, because, you know, other brothers and cousins, you know, they're, you know, kind of tough guys. And I wasn't that kind of guy. Um, and I like I said, I just felt more comfortable with the women and I always wondered what that was. And as I go on my life, I realized I've always been more comfortable in those situations. It hasn't been probably in the most recent years of my life where becoming a father and, you know, really diving into this masculinity that I, that, that that's in this body for me. And I think that's a really important and really good teacher for me to learn um, and it's been very helpful to dive into that and to to become to be, to be that, you know, because I, I I didn't feel like I had it in, as I was younger. But now it's like, man, there's a lot of power in that. And I feel like but it's also too, I do have a lot of feminine qualities and characteristics as well. And I feel like in my job, especially, it's always great to because you're compassionate, be you have to be compassionate yeah. and loving. And then, you know, I can be authoritarian and I but I mean. People say, I heard that term, you know, the toxic masculine. I don't think there is a toxic masculine. I think the absence of masculinity, masculinity. is toxic. Yeah. So then, you know, then you're controlling and you're angry. But, but that's, masculine is loving and protective and providing. And, and want to keep, what I, you know, and, and secure your family. And, yeah, and, and now that, that I have a family and children, I'm like. There's a whole bunch of videos talking about this uh, <laughs> on all types of platforms right now. Exactly. I watch them. I watch a lot of different shorts and, and stuff like that. That, you know, again, it comes down to the words and the definitions of things um, that have changed over the years that change meaning and or or take meaning away from something mm -hmm. and taking the power away of something. Um, and, and it's about how, you know, how do we communicate? Mm -hmm. You know, um, if someone doesn't understand, do you ever say, can you say that another way? I, I might be taking this wrong. Yes. We don't do that. Yeah. How often do we do that? In my field, actually, happens a lot. Well, because say, your field, yes, yes, say, because you're in a special you? environment. You're in a different environment, but I mean, that's the exception. Yeah. And, now, but, but start teaching that rule to the people you meet. Hmm. You know what I mean? Start passing it on. That's one of our that go. We're all teachers, all of us, teachers and students. And yeah, well, yeah, you you you, you can only become a teacher by being a student a good student yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, i feel like when i was doing but, but it's not about grades myself, yeah. it's about experience. experience it's about um how you're bringing that into your body you know when we go into relationships and this is also an awakening topic do you know the full background of your mate right your significant other do you know what they went through right have you discussed it how have you you know do i have those traits of these people that you have 
felt abused by or hurt by? Um, and is it, and if I do have that trait, is it just a, a movement or a tone of voice, mm. but not the action? Mm. You know, it's breaking it down because I've, I've, I've had so many clients, but also in my own experience, because I have um, the negative trait of, especially when I'm tired of using a challenging tone when I'm talking to people, when I don't even realize it, it's completely subconscious. That means I'm tired. And if people get you know upset and they get, man, he's pissed at me or whatever, and I'm not. And I'm thinking I'm talking gently and I'm not. And and they, you know, they're getting upset and everything else. And then, you know, realized, well, you know, I catch myself a lot of times when I start hearing it, you know, I'm trying to be more sensitive. Wow. You know something? What I the way I said it wasn't what I was meaning. This is what I meant, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go take a nap because <laughs> um, I, I it, it's going to come out the wrong way, you know. And that's about becoming self conscious of of those particular things. But we need to understand the people in our lives, what they've gone through. But it's it's to to have good conversations with them and to understand where you're coming from. Because I literally had um, some circumstances with clients where they like to bust each other's chops. You know, they like to make fun of each other mm-hmm. and, and it's normal and it's fun to them. You know, or like, oh man, they got me good today. You know, that type of thing. But when you accept somebody new into the group and you start busting their chops, they got offended, they got hurt, they, they, they got mad, they got angry. They thought they were being pushed out when they were actually being welcomed with open arms because we love you. Right. And, but they ran away because in their life experience, those stuff were the stuffs of attack and de- degradation, all right? And it's like, wow, I didn't know that. Mm. So then you sit there and say, when you, know, you start educating them on what your intention was, if they'll listen, sometimes they get so hurt that they shut completely down. It's, you know, if you can get somebody to talk to them and say, no, you were actually welcomed into that group. They they loved who you are. Yeah. It's just that you don't understand their language on how they express that. It's like my friends, we're growing up. Oh my God. If people thought we were so abusive to each other, we didn't feel it at all. We thought it was funny. We cracked up. Mm. You know, it's like, oh man, I got my butt chewed off with that one there. Oh, you know, I use other words. But a lot of the ways that people are reacting to that stuff, and you're saying this earlier, is how we are as kids how we were treated as kids, how our parents interacting with us, yeah. how they showed us love or didn't show us exactly. love, how they talked to us when, you know, or didn't talk to us when things got bad um, and how, and people don't realize when we were talking about earlier, going back to those times and really trying to find out and sometimes even asking your mom or your dad, how was I as a kid? What kind of things that it's things you might not remember when you're two, three or four or five yeah. and how things work. Because you're, there's parts of your brain that does the time is is, is not relevant. Mm-hmm. So it's like someone hurts you and you're three years old, and so oh, now you constantly the trigger hits you exactly. When, and so yeah, someone makes yeah. fun of me, and then um, or you know whatever else it is, someone you know uh, I got control control taken from me, and I you know I felt all alone or whatever, and so now I'm a controlling person because of that. Um, those things happen, and people don't even realize that they come from childhood. And it's yes. good to revisit that, whether that's with parents on your own in your own meditations. Well, asking yourself how you know, asking the universe, hey, how can you help me with these things that I'm dealing with and things that I'm not even aware of? Help me be aware. And I think when we speak to God, the universe, like that, yes. those answers can yes. come to you. But you have to get to get to get real, right? But, and know. and one of the tools that I use, you know, when I do my work, um, and for myself. 
um, especially I was going through a, a rough divorce years ago, and I, I didn't understand why certain things went on. So I sat in meditation and I prayed and, and I asked, you know, God's spirit to 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 show me. Right. Um, so but without having any emotional attachment mm-hmm. to it. So I said, like a third party observer, please show me the dynamics of of, you know, what I did in my own life and, and the sensitivities that created the triggers right. and what went on in her life. And they showed me mine and they showed like the family tree and, and this person did this to this. And you know what I mean? I mm-hmm. saw this whole dynamic come down on, on my side and then they show me hers. And instead of being angry with what was going on, you know, because I was, I chose to choose, I chose to be in the higher path that, you know, what I looked at, what really mattered and what didn't matter. Mm-hmm. It, it was not about fight. It, it was like, it didn't need to be. It was about what was right and wrong. You know, what was positive, what was not what positive that could have negative implications. But what I, when I saw what went on in her life, which she didn't talk about, I knew a little of it. And then, you know, I was able to talk a few years later more about it mm-hmm. to her. I, I mean, during that whole process of the divorce, I had more compassion. I didn't have anger. I had compassion. And this was this little kid, you know, the, the hurt. Mm. This was protecting herself and, and trying to keep the bubble around her own life that was causing, you know, but, but being using anger as the, the outlet. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it didn't trigger me. I didn't, I, no matter how bad it got and the threats and everything, I, I literally sat there and I said, you know, I would just go, I'm sorry you feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sending you love and light and I hope, you know, that you can find the peace. You know, right. and and I wouldn't go into that energy. And it was a conscious choice. I could have been triggered. Mm-hmm. I chose not to be triggered because I understood the dynamics of it. And that's about what you're saying is that sometimes you have to pray. You have to go look within. And I looked at the things and and how something I looked cavalier in certain situations because it, it didn't matter to me. It was not a big thing. But because of what she went through, this was a huge thing. Right. And it created a rift. Because, you know, I didn't have that kind of experience in my life. Mm-hmm. I grew up with a pretty stable life. I mean, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. I had good parents and everything. I mean, there were some things that I got scarred from in there. Um, but it was because of unconscious, not ad, not because it was through anger or anything else. Right. It was because distractions. Right. And, and you know, your example was perfect. That's part of the enlightenment process. Mm-hmm. It's using everything that we've experienced, um, you know, or the awakening process, I should say, that can bring enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody has sparks of enlightenment within them right this moment. Yeah. And, and and they've seen it. You know, people have seen it in them before. They don't we we don't we might not have an easy way to acknowledge it within ourselves, though, mm-hmm. because then it puts a spotlight on us. And a lot of us don't want to be in the spotlight in that yes. way. Yes. You know, or put up on a pedestal. Um, you know, when I taught a meditation class, you know, I, I've learned a lot. I've meditated a lot. I've, I've asked questions. I've listened. Um, I've, I've been wrong a million billion times, mm-hmm. you know, but, but, but being wrong is not in a bad thing until, you know, someone educates you and you find more information and you're able to shift your perception. That's, that's awakening. Right. Um, you know, not staying in the box. And, you know, we all have the potential. None of us, when we come down into these bodies, 
Um, and even when we're in them, are no greater or lesser than another being. We're all having our experience, and each one of us that we interact with is is our is our teacher. Yes, our soul families, especially our friends, yeah, and even our enemies. And I and I've realized that someone who can be, uh, you know, an enemy when you learn to kind of be humble and talk to them and see. Where is it that we have discord? So I don't have to feel like this anymore. There's a lot of freedom that comes from that. Um, and oftentimes the thing that you are upset with or the thing that makes you angry about them is something that's going on in your life that you're kind of judging or angry about mm -hmm. and you're projecting it on someone else. And if you could only just let it go, see them and, and, and kind of release that by forgiving them, then it kind of helps you forgive yourself and become a whole lot easier to live life that way. Um, and another thing you're saying earlier is this, you know, all these people that we reincarnate with our soul families and our friends and, you know, these people we reincarnate with over and over again, oftentimes those traumatic events that happen, you know, for me, I was telling you when I was like six and a half years old, a couple of days after Christmas, we leave Miami to go back to Georgia and we're in a bad car accident and I was severely hurt more than anyone else, but everyone else. Was this one you were pretty much when I was, paralyzed? Yeah. And, um. You know, my brother wasn't hurt. He fell in the back of a suitcase and he's fine, but he still took certain things from that. There was a bit probably of jealousy, not to be mean to him or anything. If you ever watched this, but I think because I'm hurt and I get a lot of attention and I'm in the hospital for a long time and I go back to my grandmother's house and I'm on the couch and uh, I don't have to go to school for a couple months, you know, and all these things. And um, but I can't even get up. I have to piss in a cup and you know, I have to get eventually learn how to walk and talk again and go back to school in a wheelchair after a while. But he's jealous and my dad probably has guilt and my mom, you know, everybody takes something different. And I yes. have the anger because why did this thing have to happen to me? And I was a little kid and I have scars on my face or whatever. But those things, they all play beautiful, perfect roles that we have kind of built up over time. And then they become eventually they become kind of those sledgehammer blows that happen to us in life that help you wake up. And you need to take something big, pay attention to those events. And if you've lost your joy, you've lost something back, it's usually back in your childhood. You have to go back and find it. Yes. When did someone take away that innocence? When did someone or take when did away you your give freedom? It away? When did you give it away? Yeah. yeah, when that's a big one too. A lot of times we give it away to someone else to be cool or look. Or, 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 or they seem to be the authority figure. Sure. So we give our power away because they know better or they know more. Or they're older than me and they're bigger yes, than me. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, they know more than me, but no one knows more than you about your own life. So, yeah, this is an incredible topic. I feel like we could probably go on and on and on, but I'm yeah. sure at this point, we're well over the hour. Oh, wow. Well, actually, I, you know, I was, I was getting a hit and you just did that, you know. Yeah. Um, but I right. could. I mean, you could. You could. Yeah. Definitely. And um, like, give us five minutes. And if anybody have a, a question for either one of us who we'll are do. on this particular one, too. Yeah. And we'll do I that. mean, I was looking at Chris's, um, you know, stuff on here just a few minutes ago. And, um, you know, I don't know if I can it's not a screen, but it's scrolled through. But we will definitely go back on those on Ascension Works TV. So if you are, yeah, you watching know, this live on YouTube right now, we will be doing AscensionWorks.tv. Uh, and is this is this full, the YouTube a full discussion one here? This is Zoom, so oh, that's we'll Zoom. close it out. Yeah. If so, if there's any, do you have anything else? Feel like at least kind of bubbling up in your heart that you feel like is really important for anybody, maybe who's watching right now, well, waking up, who's you know, things are happening because we kind of made it all sound great. But at the same time, awakening is awakening really is work. It's work. It's it, a little bit scary. It's yes. facing sometimes yeah. the darkest things that, you know, yes. 
it, 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 kind of it is. It's 100% that. Um, awakening is a process. And most times you're not going to even realize you're awakening. Mm-hmm. It's just through conversation. You go, where the hell did that come from? Right. Or, whoa, wow. Um, scary. You know, and I, and I that like egos getting, yeah. <laughs> well, it does. It does. Um, you know, the thing is part of the, what is true, right? What is truth, right? We have truth, right? Mm-hmm. But then you get more information and you get another perspective, right? That truth, truth changes from what you knew as truth now has other elements to it. So that truth grows differently. It changes, it moves on angles. Mm. Right. It goes in other directions sometimes. So and the only way truth, real truth can occur is by listening to everybody and all points of view of that object. You know, the, the microphone that's sitting right in front of us, you know, those who are viewing the screen see some things. They see some knobs and stuff like that. Right now, this represents the truth. Now, if I turn this microwave, I hope it doesn't mess it up. Yeah, you won't go here. And we and we go right like this. Right now, the knobs are in different locations. Your truth now, your angle of truth is different, mm-hmm. but it's still the same microphone. It's mm-hmm. still the same core of truth. But our perspective from our point of view, which is through our life experiences and, and, and the things and our education and all those different things, twist and warp our truth. Mm-hmm. And by listening to, say, the questions and the comments that are all on this, um, having the conversations, whether you agree with it or not. You know, the native people had the talking stick. Mm-hmm. Let the person talk. Let them don't just interject and fight with them. Let them speak and listen to it. And and don't let that the mental part of you say, no, just say, all right, I don't agree with that right now. Mm-hmm. Let me absorb it. Let me take it in. Let me do some investigation on this. Let me feel it. You know, it's like when you eat food, if you just woof it down, you don't and you don't let it really touch the tongue. You don't get the taste of it. Mm-hmm. You're just filling the stomach because you're hungry. Right. Right. But if you take it slow, you can taste the spices in it and and, and viewpoints of the spices in our food. Mm-hmm. So we have to take our time to digest it, to taste it, to let it pass through us. And that's by observing, changing, you know, the, the our viewpoint around the microphone. And that's part of the awake awakening process mm-hmm. is giving time to hear and to listen and to, you know, to use not just the spiritual senses, but also the physical senses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, I, you know, people have things they're good at playing instruments, playing music. And that only occurred a little over 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, just for me, mind. I feel like it's information. If I have a gift, it is I've been able to humble myself completely empty my bowl enough to know that I'm like a beggar of spirit. I'm a beggar of knowledge. You know what I mean? It's when our bowls are full, when I know that this is the only way, or that's the only way, or this is the only truth, or this is the only thing I'm willing to look at. My bowl is full. It's like, I can't put anything in that bowl for you, you know, but when Mm -hmm. I empty it out and say, I don't know anything, you know, please enlighten me, please fill me up with things that are exciting and things that make sense. And it's like all of a sudden, bam, that's when my bowl is empty and I'm asking, that's when I get these these uh, downloads and these things come through and it makes sense. And I'm like, wow, you know, and I feel like that's something that I'm good at, you know, and and anybody can be good at it. I think a lot of people can be good at music and you just have to really want it and try. And well, that's what I do. I or, practice or just it. Be. Just be. See, I don't practice. I, you know, that to me, that's a four letter word. <laughs> all right, practice, I play. Yeah. Oh. That's good. Yeah. All right. Because if it if I don't find it enjoyable, 
I I don't I generally don't want anything to do with it. Mm. You know what I mean? I'll watch it. I'll look at it. I'll learn from it. But that's not something that resonates with me. I like when I learned my instruments. I didn't consider what I was doing practicing. Right. I was working to play at it sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. But I was when I learned how to play the didgeridoo, I was making fart noises at first. I was laughing. Yeah. I, I was just, you know, tears running down my face because I was playing. You're I was playing. I was playing with yeah, it. Then that. all of a sudden, I got a nice sound, sound come out of it. Then I was able to make these weird noises mm -hmm. and, and barks and all those, you know, vocals where they call it. And you know, and when I play and I hear a rhythm and I start, you know, I'm going on the thing. I'm having a fun time, right? You know, I play my flute. If I have to play a set piece a certain way and stuff like that, I can do it a couple times. But then I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore yeah. because my soul is following some a roadmap, right. and my soul wants to be free. It wants to freestyle. I feel and, that with information, like yes, I'm playing with the inner earth civilizations. I don't have it doesn't have to be real for me, right? But no, if me I either. can take that and listen to it for all that it's worth, and then can I can I play with it? Can I put it together with some other things? Does it go? Does it work? Does it fit like a puzzle? Well, as if you know, and it's fun. It's like wow. Then all of a sudden. I feel like, like, oh, that does really feel well together, those things. Yeah. You know what I mean? That well, things could be. You know, off air, we were talking mm. and, you know, about all these different subjects. When we were talking on the phone earlier tonight, um, that, you know, oh, God, what, what, what was it? Uh, one of the questions that you would ask me. Um, well, I was saying that if, if you can think it, mm. It can be, you know, it's a reality, right? Because that's one reason. It, that means somebody already else right out there. Well, you know, you're to. talking about, you know, what uh, Thomas Edison or Alexander Graham Bell, uh, the one the telephone. Um, it was it, the patent was almost simultaneously put on yes. exact, you know, in Russia and here. I think it was a guy in Africa, but it was Africa or here, whatever, in another country. Yeah, another saying country. That, in another country, like on the but, same but day, on the same day, within hours of each other, mm -hmm. and it was almost identical. And I thought they had stole the other one, the other one, right? But idea. it was no computers, there was no internet, there's no phone system, obviously, right? They had might have had telegraph, but that's such a slow way of communication, mm -hmm. right? But that right there, you know, it it came from the ethers it's in the field, man. right? It's yeah. in the field now you know, creation, you know, this world, well, there are other societies before ours, right? There's ones that could have been so far more advanced than us. Yes. Right. So anything that you can think of that you dream of is, was probably already in the field at one point in time mm -hmm. and still floating around. Right. And you happen to tap it. I mean, I literally, when I was 12 years old, you know, that thing, the floss thing that has the, it's like, U-shaped and has a piece of dental floss and yeah, it has yeah. the toothpick on the end. Well, I drew that in a sketchbook when I was 12 years old. Never, I didn't know what to do with it. I just, because my mom was like, you know, always having a thing. And I drew this little design. It just sat in my sketchbook. Then 10, 10 years later, my mom's like, you know, pulls out this thing. I said, oh, mom, I invented that. And <laughs> then she goes, yeah, right. You know, she's laughing. She goes, you know, she's looking on there. I don't see your name on the patent, you know, that type of thing. And 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 I go, let, let me come back, mom. Where's my sketchbooks? Do you know where you put them? Because I was older then. Mm -hmm. And she pulls it out and I go through the pages and I point and I showed it to her. She goes, oh, my God. It came into my field, but right. I didn't know what to do. That's why I don't think patents really should exist, because 
these are all ideas that we borrow from the universe well, and it's all about money it's all about money and with that being said so, yeah yeah well, let's thank move you. Well, i don't know if we answered any questions no we'll answer whatever, some questions but, after uh, this but let's go ahead and close it out and then we'll end and we'll do the questions thing but for right now I just want to say thank you guys all for watching, being here live on YouTube and AscensionWorks.tv. Um, we're really thankful. I'm really grateful for John, beautiful man, and I enjoy every minute of tonight. So thank you very much. And I just want to say to all you guys out there, awakening can be difficult, but at the end of the day, it is a beautiful thing. You know, the mountains are more prestigious and great because of all the erosion and the wind and the water that comes. It makes them more profound and that's our lives man whatever happens to you use that to make your life more beautiful and tell a great story because at the end of the day we're all storytellers and how lame the story would be if you don't have challenges and things happen and you know sledgehammer blows the universe it makes the hero great to have that great enemy um or and it doesn't have to be an enemy adversary whatever you want to call it but it makes us that much better to grow from these things that have happened so I want to thank each and every one of you for being here tonight, going through your awakening and being the kind of person that you want to see in the world, because it really does matter how we interact, how we talk to each other, how we love. Every single one of us has an effect on the field and on this planet. And if we can just do that and just know that your interaction with the people at work and people at school, your family letting go of the hate the anger the grudges and just be in peace with them and love it will snowball effect it will permeate throughout our world and change it to the way we really want it to to not be divided to not be divisive but to see all as one humanity as one in one world so i want to thank you guys all tonight for being here and tell you from the bottom of my heart the divine in me sees and recognizes the divine in each and every single one of you Namaste. Can I say one thing? Sure, that's where it's going to be cut off, but sure. You know, oh, is right. it? Yeah. oh, I just wanted to get that's my, my contact. contact. I mean, you can say that. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, for those who want to contact me or have any questions outside of, of the format, um, my website is theinnerlightweb.com. I have the Inner Light Center um, in Colorado Springs. And, uh, you know, I'd be happy to answer questions from you and uh i want to thank chris and ken uh clinda and gregory on was that facebook no they're on or zoom with on us zoom, right now on ascension on work zoom, tv yeah. else is on there morgan morgan uh steven, steven there yeah so i want to thank you all for being on i've been trying to look at the different things scrolling it's hard to talk part. and look at it at the same time yeah it so is especially yeah. when i got old glasses <laughs> i sat on my other ones <laughs> so, no worries so uh, thank you all what we do want to do right now is um, we are still speaking to all the people on mm -hmm. YouTube live as right. well. So we just want to throw a promo out there to ascensionworkstv.com. Yes. We will be ending YouTube live here in just a minute. And when we do, the conversation isn't in there. It will be on ascensionworkstv.com. We will be opening up the panel to everybody to talk, to mm -hmm. share about their awakening, to ask questions and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So if you're really interested in that, it's a great platform. Jump on there. It's a small fee, but I think it's worth it. And where we put our attention, where we put our money right now is super important. And platforms like that, people like that, places like that, that's where we need to put our attention on, not you know big, huge corporations that are taking over the planet. Put it on these grassroots movements that are that are speaking truth and trying to help the world become one. So if you guys want to meet us there, would absolutely love it and enjoy it and be grateful for every single one of you. And Cody. Oh, Cody's there too, yeah. <laughs>
So we're going to stop the live stream on YouTube. Thank you guys all for Thank joining you. us. It's been yeah. beautiful. Love you all.